the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. What we're talking about today is something I think super relevant to a lot of us because we find ourselves a little bit of extra free time right now, probably around our home. Yes, I know. Everyone's kind of having a redirect right now as our kids are now, they've been out of school for about eight days. We're heading into spring break. We are looking at each other a lot. We're at home. We're slowing down. And I'm really excited for this interview because it's, this is the challenge you can only do when you are at home and you're like, what what productive can I do today? Yeah. And I know, Rebecca, you get into these moments where when we're home a lot, you start to clean out things. I do. It could be drawers, the pantry, the fridge. Closet. You do the fridge more often I than do. Anything, the thankfully. pantry and the fridge obviously gets overrun with six people at all times consuming from it. So it gets dirty. I like to organize. But... What we're talking about today specifically is your closet. You know, sometimes this type of change can create more stress. It can create a little bit of anxiety. And this is part of what Rebecca's been thinking about and writing about for many, many years. But it's particularly helpful right now. Even in the book Rhythms of Renewal, you you have a whole chapter called Push Yourself. Right. Where you talk about how much it helped you mentally to bring order to things. Talk a little bit about that. Right. So that was in the restore rhythm of this idea of like, we need outer order to have inner order. And I know for you and I, sometimes when we get running and we're out the door, out the door, out the door, piles just keep growing and it's paperwork, you know, it's bills, it's school stuff, it's backpacks, it's laundry, whatever. And then over time, I just get overwhelmed by it all. And I just want to leave the house and not look at it. And so I write a chapter called Push Yourself about how I finally had to really tackle it and get serious about purging, getting rid of some things, donating them, asking the kids, like, what actually fits? What do you even wear anymore? For six humans, that takes some time. And I did rally you to join us as well. (laughs) That's right. And so today's interview, we're talking to Erin Flynn, and this is her world. She's the type of person who really helps all of us figure out how to get a lot more organized, but specifically with our closets and mm-hmm. how to simplify and and live a little bit more of a minimalist life. And I think that's so relevant right now. We're, we're all having to take inventory again and consider what is it that we need? And that applies to our clothes as well. And so in this conversation, we're going to learn a lot about how can you think well about organizing your closet, thinking about what you really need and how to organize style. And it's kind of fun to hear you guys get into that. And it's not just for women, it's also for men. We get into Erin's background and you're going to hear pretty quickly in the interview just what all she's done and how she's established really this new idea of the capsule closet and inspired so many of us to do the same. Let's listen in now to our conversation with Erin Flynn from Cladwell.com. Hey, Erin. Welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. I'm so excited about this conversation. So glad you're here. Gabe's here. I'm excited. You guys are going to finally meet Erin, who's the secret to how to have a more organized, flamboyant, stylish <laughs> closet. Oh, I'm sure she's thrilled that I you said will that. take it. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
And I'm, I happen to be sitting between two women both wearing hats. It's, I don't know yeah. what we call these hats, but yeah. it's definitely fashion is going on in the in the podcast studio well, today. first of all, I wear hats indefinitely, but I am so happy that hats are on trend right now. Right, yes. Right? And then the round, what is that called? Mm-hmm. The wide brim. The wide brim, yes. yep. And then the ones that are kind of flat brimmed. I had a Western look for a while. We're, we're moving more to whatever this is called. I call this the witch look because <laughs> it's black. It's <laughs> just kind of... Like really big. <laughs> no, it looks so, good, but so when, I said that to you once. When I got this, no, I was in Atlanta. Citizen Supply they have great hats, and uh, I had all these ones I was trying on, and I kept sending them photos because I was out of town. And I sent him this hat, and he goes, "Do you have a broom to go with that?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Done. I'm getting it." <laughs> that pretty much sounds like something my husband would say, so I can appreciate that comment <laughs> exactly. But. Seriously, though, thanks for being here. I'm so impressed and just thrilled with the work you've done with Cladwell. And I really want our listeners to hear about it. Because when we think about the four rhythms, rest, restore, connect, create, create is something that we all are. We all are creative. We're creators. Sometimes we feel stifled in that. We feel like we're kind of stuck in a corner, especially for people who love clothes and they want to buy stuff, but they actually don't really know how to put those things together. And then sometimes I think we get into that rut of what you and I are going to talk about today is just buying too much and we actually don't even know what to do with it all. So tell me a little bit about the background of how you got into fashion and what sparked that creativity for you. Yeah. So I can give you a little bit of my personal background and then I'll tell you a little bit about Cladwell. But um, my personal background is that I grew up in Indiana like any good Hoosier does, I got a full ride basketball scholarship to Christian Brothers wow. University in Memphis, Tennessee. So I went down there, um, played for four years, actually met my husband who was on the guys basketball team. And then right after we graduated, I uh, moved up to Scranton, thriving metropolis of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And then um, you auditioned for the office. <laughs> right. Um, this was right when the economy had just tanked. And it was 2009. No one was hiring a girl with a marketing degree who had no experience. They were actually getting rid of all their marketing departments. And at this point, I pretty much decided if I am going to get a job after sending out, like, I think it was 300 applications, I am going to have to start my own thing. So that's what I did. I started a fashion blog. I kind of grew it into its own small business, went to Fashion Week, did all that. Um, And then Um, Long story short, went through, uh, ended up creating my first startup, which was around influencer marketing. And then ultimately, we ended up back in Cincinnati, and that's where I got connected to Cladwell. Now, do you and your husband still play basketball? So we actually do. Like you have a hoop in your driveway, Um, or how does this happen? So we literally live across the street from a basketball gym, Uh, and it has both the park and then the indoor gym. And then we go over and we shoot, and we take our son, who's also obsessed with basketball. So I'm... Sadly, not making this up. <laughs> this no, is what we I, do. I love it. I mean, this is perfect. Like these kind of activities and hobbies. Sometimes we get older and stop doing these things. I yeah. know the other day I was out, grabbed the basketball out of the garage, and just started shooting by myself because I love playing basketball, but I just don't do it a lot. Yeah, my knees are getting a little, you know, <laughs> I'm getting a little old, and I'm not as good as I once was. I like to say I did score a thousand points in my Ooh. high school career, so I, I still have that ball that's. It's kind of deflated sitting up in the closet. It says with a Sharpie, a thousand points. <laughs> it was a real formal. <laughs> it's in a glass case. Humble brag. 
That's amazing. I like that they didn't really import it. They just marked it no, off. No, literally. I think it's like a Sharpie. Yeah, it was like a girlfriend of mine. <laughs> drew, they stopped the game and she like quickly wrote it on the ball and then handed it to me. Uh, um, but, okay, so back. Are you guys both really competitive though? Like to see a married couple both like playing college basketball I would imagine does that like do you take out any like frustration on each other in the court we are a little competitive um I so he is definitely more the type that just likes playing games so he's not like a sore loser he just wants to play the game I on the other hand (laughs) really want to win so when it comes to playing uh, a round of horse or pig that's where I get really competitive yeah Yeah. and then he still plays on monday and thursday nights in an old man's league where literally um the guy that started it is 70 i think he's 72 and he's still playing and so they have it down to science um and so i used to play and then i had rooney and then i have not played for a year so and rooney is my son (laughs) so fun gabe see old man's league you can do it it's great yeah i mean Anytime I get out on the court now, it's like everything has to be really calculated from ankle braces to <laughs> to the shoes I'm wearing to how hard I'm really going to go after it. So anyway, but that that's the restore rhythm at work in our life. Exactly. <laughs> so get okay, back so in the gym, all right? Your- uh, that's my encouragement to you. Don't let too far go here before you get back in there. Okay. So I studied a little bit on your background and it sounds like with your fashion blog, you were a Microsoft champion. And I really want to know what that is because it feels a little bit like a basketball champion. Right. (laughs) Um, Sadly, it was not. But I, so they put together this program and I think they end up selecting like 30 to 40 different bloggers at that time. Mm -hmm. And we all got Microsoft computers and they had a phone, which is also really funny to think about. Um, may have been the worst phone right ever, <laughs> but um, I don't think it lasted. Um, so yeah, we got that. And then uh, it was basically an exchange to share kind of what we were doing. And this is all, again, at the, it's kind of funny to talk about now because influencers and bloggers are very known. And mm-hmm. back then it was brand new. Yeah. So we were kind of like sharing our experiences with them and kind of using sure. the computer and talking to them about it and that sort of thing. So what I hear is you were pioneering even in that fashion blogger space, because you're right, over a decade ago, that was not a normal thing. And it says here that you were on this reality TV show with Joe Z, the creative director of Elle. So you you got a lot of exposure early on of just like, hey, I'm, I want to pioneer or innovate in this space, which is why I'm yeah. really, really excited about where that went for you. Talk a little bit more about how that evolved into where you are with Cloudwell. Yeah, so the rest of that story is, uh, so shortly after the fashion blog kind of took off, I ended up creating my first startup company called Canopy, and basically it connected bloggers to different brands, and we really focused on fashion at that time. So we would connect uh, like TJ Maxx to um, bloggers who they thought, you know, reached their demographic. Um, And at the time, again, this was new, so they were still reaching out to bloggers like with press releases and stuff like that, but nothing was personal. So we really wanted to make it personal. So that was kind of our first venture into the startup world, and um, we ended up shutting it down about two and a half to three years later, mainly because we could not explain this concept to investors. They could not get their head around like influencers are going to be a scene. And we had put all our money into it. My husband had left his job. He um, was a co-founder in it. 
And so we ended up having to go move in with my parents. <laughs> so it was me, my husband, and my dog living in my parents' house at age 26. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I love that you're sharing that story with our listeners because this is the real story of entrepreneurship, of taking risks deciding you're going to go for something. And and you know what? A lot of times they fail. I mean, I think it's yes. like one out of 10 new startups actually make it, but it was through going through that process. I'm sure you and your husband, the lessons you learned, all that has now yeah. helped you build something that's going to be stronger and that is successful. So way to go. And Thanks. thank you for <laughs> sharing that because I think other people are sitting out there going, yeah, that I failed too. And I don't know if I should try again. Or take the risk, but you were able to do that. Well, and you saw something then that people were not, like people who were investing couldn't see yet. And you actually had an insight and an intuition from what you had done saying, hey, this is actually going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. At some point, people are going to take a picture of their outfit and put outfit of the day, hashtag, (laughs) and other people are going to want to know where they got it and they're going to actually make money from sell. It's like crazy now how that's become such a huge industry with social media. But before that, before a vision of that, it would have been really hard to understand how easy that would be for people. Yeah. And it is one of those things like with startups um, and entrepreneurship, you can see something. And so then you're just trying to you know, share that message with the world and try to convince people that this is going to be the future. Um, but so much has to do with timing and you mm-hmm. have no control over that. Right. Um, and so, of course, you never start a company thinking it's going to fail. But I think it's really important that we talk about our failures and that you get back up from that and then go on versus have shame in that. Um, and I think that's what happens a lot of time in entrepreneurship. You tell everyone about it because you're so excited. And then when you fail, you you immediately feel, feel this shame that you didn't make it work. Right. And so that leads to Cladwell, right? Yes. Yes. Which I'm so pumped to talk about. So it's a 500 startups company. Can you explain Mm -hmm. what that means to the listener? Yeah. So um, shortly after I had come on to Cladwell, we ended up getting accepted into one of the top accelerators in the world. So um, 500 Startups is an accelerator in Mountain View, California, so Silicon Valley. And basically, um, I say accelerator, meaning that they take in companies, they give you mentorship, and then they also give you some capital. And um, at the end of Four months, you have this huge demo day where you have to, it's kind of like Shark Tank. You have to stand up, give your pitch in front of, I think it was 400 different investors. So, so yeah, that's what that means. And I think for me, it was coming from Cincinnati and going out to Silicon Valley. There was this huge, um, almost like imposter syndrome. Like I didn't think I was going to be good enough. I didn't think um, I knew, you know, Silicon Valley, like I didn't have the skills and what I learned when I got out there is they're just like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. So it really helped me. I think that's where I probably grew the most when we came out of that. And then that is actually where we developed our app. Yeah, which you won the Women of Excellence Award in 2017. And I I think that's worth all this. The reason why I wanted to hear everyone to hear kind of the backstory is like, look at you were onto something, you knew you had something, failure still is a part of our, we feel forward, that's a part of our stories. And then timing was on your side, yeah. you know, a little bit later. Yeah. And you and you persevered. And I think, man, in the create rhythm, that is something we have got to remember, right? Yes. Every single one of us has been laid off from a job, has lost a job or failed at something, tried and risked. But that actually builds perseverance. And it's real fun to hear like what that's brought to you now. So you decided to start Cladwell. And I want people to better understand what what is Cladwell? How does it work? What is it that you're trying to help people do? Yeah. So the elevator pitch is that um, we're a personal styling app that helps you build a closet you love. 
and we make getting dressed easy with daily outfit recommendations based off your weather. So, which is amazing. <laughs> the weather piece is amazing to me because I'm always like, when we're packing for a trip, I'm like, Gabe, what's the weather and wherever yeah, we're going? Exactly. Yeah, but like, so how through my phone are you helping me get dressed in the morning based yeah. on the weather? What what functionally happens for me as a customer? Yeah. So you tap on items that look similar to what you own. So we have a database of over 17,000 items. So it's likely that we will have something that looks really similar. You can also add a photo, but we find that it, that's the most overwhelming part is getting your items into our app. So you just tap on items that are similar. And then literally from there, we recommend three daily outfit suggestions, again, based on the weather. It can be where you see an outfit. And then let's say you want to you know, change out the shoes, you can edit it. Um, and then also we will show you every outfit possibility from um, each specific item in your closet. Amazing. So a couple questions, right? So what if it's a casual day? Like I just want this to be a sweatshirt, like mm-hmm. jeans day, but, or I actually, for me, I have to travel and I have to speak and I need, that's like a different kind of the. Yeah. So it's not just on whether could you, could you select based on like how fancy? Yeah. So two different ways. So one, we have different, we call them capsules. So we tell people to categorize their clothes. So basically if let's say you have a job that's more professional, um, so you can put all the clothes that would be that like appropriate for that activity into a capsule. Mm -hmm. And then we recommend only based off that subset of clothes. Mm -hmm. So if you're traveling, you could create a travel capsule and everything that you want to pack would be in that capsule. So then when you go travel, it's going to pull that weather and only recommend those clothes. Love it. Yeah. And are guys using this? I mean, is this just they, a girl no, thing? <laughs> they really are. I would say it's it's 80-20. So 20% are men. But I would say the men are very loyal. They're like, just tell me what to wear. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Um, and so it's like actually jeans, like, t-shirt, yeah, tennis shoes. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I want to get to the bigger idea here because I know that's functionally how it works. But what I love is it's it's really getting at minimalism and how do we not just have too many things in our closet. And we know that's a that's a huge conversation right now. I know the minimalism documentary came out in 2015 that mm-hmm. so many people watched on Netflix that really talked about reducing everything in your life down to just a few yeah. things. So can you talk about the idea of that just for our even mental health? Like why is it so important that we not just have so much of everything and really take the time? Because yeah. to me, it feels like, okay, that's going to be a big investment of time to figure this out. But why is it worth it to take the time to do this? So the first thing is I can tell you my personal story, which is having had the fashion blogger background, I basically just collected clothes over the years. And I would walk into my closet and say the same thing that I've heard a million women say, which is I have too many clothes and nothing to wear, Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous because I had 450 items in my closet. So there's no reason I should have nothing to wear. And it was with this capsule wardrobe approach that it sounds so cheesy, but it really changed my life. I like to think like when you have a messy closet, you have a messy head. (laughs) And that was Mm -hmm. the case for me. And I think I was in this vicious cycle of, oh, could I just declare closet bankruptcy and start over? But I never had the money to do that. And so I just thought like, well, I'll just continue to shop and that will eventually solve my problem. And what I learned is that we can't shop our way out of this problem. Right. And so what has actually happened industry-wide is that before the 1980s, we only bought 12 items a year. Since then, um, we now buy, on average, 68 items per year. Wow. And Americans, they throw away 80 pounds of clothes. 87% of the clothes that you donate actually end up in landfills and incinerated. 
normally in other countries. And so it's these personal choices that we're making. Um, and again, it's all based off this kind of concept of why don't I like my closet and then trying to shop our way out of that. Um, those choices actually are not good for us. And then they also kind of impact other people on the other side of the country. How did the capsule idea begin? Like what year was that really, did that come alive for people? Yeah. So it used to just, that's what it was. We like were. in the 1930s, <laughs> that's, it was 30 items. Like that's what it was. Um, the lady's name, now I'm blanking on her last name, but her first name was Susie. She um, kind of coined the term capsule wardrobe. And it was this idea that you could have a minimal wardrobe that was really versatile where things would work well together. And then that got popular really over the last four years. Mm -hmm. And when we first started Cladwell, we, we would talk about minimalism. Right. No one really knew what this concept was. And right. uh, with Marie Kondo and um, minimalism, the documentary, now it's kind of a, people actually understand when I say, hey, you know, you're trying to have a minimal wardrobe that um, makes everything work for you. I think it's fascinating that the same time we're talking capsule mm -hmm. and minimalism, fashion bloggers explode yes. on Instagram. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting know. because you're, I'll see somebody feature something. I'm like, that's adorable. And then I'm thinking if I actually did get that, I would need to get rid of something else. And like, yes. because Gabe knows me, I've always been one, like every six months, I'm like, I, I can't have this much in here because yeah. one thing we have learned in studying mental health is that, that, that stressor, right? Yes. Like we, yeah. you know, I'm always talking about almost four out of five of us has physical symptoms of stress. Mm -hmm. And that is actually accelerated by the amount of decisions we have to make per day. Yes. So partly this is this like fighting against that. I'm curious. Okay. So you said in the thirties, women had about 30 items mm -hmm. in their closet. Yep, 36, I think. Yeah. And so today, what do people have? hundred Over 120. Wow. And I think that's actually increased um, in the last five years. Since they bought 65 more items per <laughs> yeah, year exactly, since then. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I, I also wonder just from a fashion perspective, you know, when I think about friends who really appreciate fashion, it seems that the pieces that they own are quality. They seem to be a little more timeless. Mm -hmm. So the trends come and go, but they tend to dress in these sort of classic things. So if you were to see a picture of one of these guys, like I, I this guy is 76 years old, but just mm -hmm. one of these classic guys. And yeah. I look at pictures of him in the 70s. And he looks cool and yeah. stylish, and it looks like something you would wear today. What is it mm -hmm. about that in fashion that makes things timeless? And do you find that doing this helps people have a bit more style? Yes. And so that's the biggest misconception is that you have to give up fashion. Or if you like style or you like shopping, you have to give that up. And that's not the case. I think it's it's one of those things where so first, for a capsule wardrobe, how we define it is it's where you love and wear everything that you own. So right yeah. now, the average American only wears 20% of their closet. So 80% is clutter. But they're always just naturally going back to those same timeless pieces. The thing that is so clarifying is that when you do a closet clean out, um, it's kind of this process where you put things into two piles. You take everything out of your closet. You separate them into love it or don't love it. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to go through and ask yourself the question of, do I really love this? That pile, when you analyze it, that is your style. You'll mm -hmm. see the colors that you like. You'll see the type of items that you like. And from there, you can build out the rest of your wardrobe. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, again, we get in this cycle of, and it's actually, it's, it's really strange because you get in the cycle of continually shopping because you like something, but you don't even really know what you like about it. And that's the core of it. If you figure out what you like, 
it will actually bleed into other aspects of your life. Hmm. Um, yeah, that yeah. ability to just make that decision and own it and like understand it. Like Gabe has owned that he loves navy shirts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like yeah. he likes usually he kind of goes that direction and he mm-hmm. like knows the look he likes and I'm like, "But you have 12 others of that shirt." Yeah. Or denim. I love denim. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of pieces of denim in my because again, it's just it's the everyday timeless. Mm-hmm. How do Okay. So what for you, as being you know this award-winning fashion person <laughs> that you are, what constitutes fashion or style for you? Is it is it fit? Is it just you like it, or what is it that you, when you look at somebody, you're like that's that's the epitome of that? It's when they're being themselves. Okay. Um, and so for that is to be yourself, you really need to know what you like. And so it's that process that really, again, bleeds through the rest of your life. Because um, the difference is if, if you go through the closet clean out and, again, you look at all the pieces that you love, you'll start to realize aspects about yourself, like that you like denim versus, you know, black or hats. whatever it may be or hats or whatever. And those are parts that represent who you are and they tell a story when you go out. I mean, that's why we all pay attention so much to what we wear when we you know, go to an interview. We want to put on the best version of ourselves and be who we are. Um, And so I think when you know who you are, then you go to the store, that's where you can easily um, say yes to things and no to things. You're no longer buying based off the sale, no longer buying based off the marketing. You're buying because it's you. In times when you're feeling stress and anxiety throughout the day, You might find yourself on your phone constantly reading news, reading social media, looking at what everybody else is saying and what they're thinking. But instead of checking social media, open the Abide app because this is designed to help ease your mind. People who use Abide, which is the number one Christian meditation app, report less stress, lower levels of anxiety and depression, and better sleep. So start your day every day with Abide's daily meditation. It's based on biblical scripture, and these audio meditations will center you and draw you closer to Christ. For a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash life. These meditations start at two minutes long. They're easy to fit in your schedule, and they feature topics like overcoming anxiety, managing stress, addiction and recovery, finding forgiveness, and much more. So get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash life. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Support this show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash life. That's abide, A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash life to download the app and get 25% off your premium subscription. So I want to do a little exercise with you where I'm going to name a type of clothing. Stress me out here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to name a type of clothing, and I want you to tell me how many of that uh, the average person should own. Oh, no. Okay? okay. So I, I, maybe you haven't thought about some of these, so get ready. Okay. Because do you have like a total number that we're supposed to own? Is it like 75 items? or? So it's really not about the number. I so Come on. That's a cop out. <laughs> I like to think that um, it's probably under 100. Okay. Um, I would say so probably around 70. <laughs> pair, pairs of shoes for women. That's a broad. How, how many? <laughs> shoes alone should be half that of those. Is, say, Some closets so are hard. just full Maybe, of shoes. Let's say sneakers versus like dress, anything beyond that, like dress or booties or... Mm-hmm. So the other 
tricky piece about this is it really has to do with um, your activities. So if you, um, again, dress more professionally Monday through Friday, you need more professional shoes than the average person. So it's really hard to give like broad statements. I will say I like shoes. How many pair so. of shoes do you own? <laughs> I'd ha- I could pull up the app and it would tell me, but I, I like probably 30 do. pair? I know. I really think it's probably 12. Well, that's pretty I don't good. Know. That's not a lot, I don't yeah, think, for think someone who loves good. shoes. And luckily, I have a very casual office environment. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So. so do you do like a capsule for workout clothes, like your favorite leggings or what do you call them? Well, yoga pants? Yeah, if you're a yoga instructor, <laughs> probably. But Yeah, you can. I, I kind of think of it just as um, your weekend wear and your work where or athleisure is yeah, what they call it now. Yeah, athleisure, exactly. So we don't have to get in that many pair of underwear. No. Anybody no, no, should own. None of that. Also, okay. I, I say accessories or, you know. How about jewelry? Well. Does this apply to jewelry? People have done it for jewelry. I have not. Okay. Um, I, I think that uh, accessories, you, you probably shouldn't have an uh, overwhelming amount of accessories, but it's really helpful to have accessories because then you can make your capsule work for you. And I would imagine you might need more items if you live in a four-season yes. city. You know, I grew yeah. up in Florida. I never had a winter coat mm-hmm. my whole life, right? Yeah. Well, we're now in Nashville. It does get down in the teens. Mm-hmm. We need a winter coat. Um, and then I decided I need kind of a fancy winter coat and then one that's mm-hmm. more like water repellent. So yeah. all of a sudden that's two more items than I had in Florida. <laughs> yeah, but you, the things you buy, I mean, they, they last. And again, because they're the right style, I guess. They they seem to, you've had them for a decade and they still yeah. look good. So what is it about buying quality versus just buying something on trend that's cheap? I mean, do you have mm-hmm. an opinion on whether people should save a little and buy the nicer quality thing that might last longer? I really like this question. Um, so there's, so what's happening right now in the fashion industry is there's this thing called fast fashion. And so it's the H&M and Zars of the world, and they're producing at such a high rate. And that's going back to like where I was saying in the 1980s, we only bought 12 items, and now we buy 68. What happened is we used to only have two to four seasons. So you would go into a store in the winter, and they would have new clothes. Then you would go in the store in the spring or the summer, and they would have new clothes. Now it's gone from two to four to literally 52 weeks. So every week, there are stores that are changing out their entire inventory. And so that's kind of the the consumerism mentality is that we're shopping all the time, but they're just trying to match that mentality by making it more exciting. And so the fact that we're shopping faster also leads to, I think it's like 2% of workers or people who actually sew our garments um, in third world countries are uh, not 2%. They are only... 2% are only making a living wage. Wow. Um, and most of them are women. And so, again, it's that whole fast shopping cycle. Mm-hmm. So what I say is we don't have enough, um, like, ethical brands out there right now. So it would be ridiculous for me to say, hey, only go buy sustainable or ethical. Um, that's great if you can support those companies that do yes, do that. which I, I do partner with several of them and yes. love them, and they have great, great stuff. Yes. But you're right. There's not there's not a ton. Right. And so when you- your only access is the mall, it's just – it's kind of hard, and it is expensive. Like, it's more expensive. So I think if you can do it, do it. And if you can't, just check the quality. Yeah. Um, and those are things like, you know, again, make sure you love it and you're going to wear it. And, you know, if you bought that brand before and it only lasted two washes, maybe don't buy that again. Sure. Um, so it's just being like conscious of that mentality. When you think about 
something that you're going to keep for a long time. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think I used to be such a sale rack person for sure because, yeah. but lately I'm a little more like less is more because I've seen how much I've just had to consign things or give them away, which I'm happy to do. But I also go, gosh, I didn't really get the wear out of that. I wanted to or should have. And so I've gotten better about just saying no, just because it's on sale. But like mm-hmm. things like animal print, right? Yeah. It, here we are back around again. I have a couple pieces that are animal print that normally in a, in a year or so I'd be getting rid of that thing. Yeah. And I, now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep it because it's going to yeah. come back around, right? Maybe a modified yeah. version of it or something like that. My mom, I remember growing up, she had a couple things that like that she wore from the 60s mm-hmm. and the 50s and they would be epic right now. Yeah. Like I wish that I still had I had those from her, you know, like yes. she didn't keep them over the long haul, but I wonder about if in my capsule closet, if I look at my closet that way, I still probably have about five to 10 items that were a special memory, mm-hmm. that like a leather jacket that's not really stylish right now, but it's still nice. I got it in New York. I kind of yeah. like keep it. How much do people really rewear things like that that they ever keep? Do they get old and decide to pull that stuff back out or is it just sentimental? Um, I, I think a lot of things is a lot of things are sentimental. Um so my recommendation for when you have pieces like that is if you can have everything in your closet that, again, you love and wear, and then and that means for that season. I would even, like, pack away if, you know, we're in winter right now. I don't have any summer clothes in my closet. Um, that way, like we were talking about earlier, when you get dressed in the morning, it's really easy. You don't have to think about the decision, and it's a great way to start your day. You're not stressed out. So um, for sentimental items or I'm saying you Maybe aren't in the season, but you don't want to get rid of them. I just suggest like getting one of those containers and put it under your bed. And you don't have to get rid of it. You don't have to feel stressed out about it, but you don't have to see it. It's kind of like that J. Crew roll neck sweater oh. I've had since college that you've <laughs> tried to kind of lose in the in yeah. the moves that we've had. Well, and I and I just will looser. not I will not give up on it. <laughs> it's like an oatmeal color with a roll neck. I think it. they call it oatmeal heather. <laughs> yes, I remember. But anyway, so I'm so glad that you guys are having this conversation. I think for the guys out there that have hung in hung in here this long, um, maybe you would find this to be really helpful too because I know a lot of guys have no idea what to wear or they they rely on their wife to help them, which yes. I'm sure stresses out their marriage yeah. and stresses out the wife. So this app is so simple to use. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really, you've created it in such a way that it's really user-friendly. Yep. You just tap on a few things and all of a sudden you're off and running. And people can see more about it at cladwell.com. So that's C-L-A-D-W-E-L-L.com. And you can actually watch a couple of videos that mm-hmm. help you just see exactly how you would use it. And then you can go on the app store and subscribe and just start using this thing. I mean, it's really cheap. It's like $4.99 a month. Yep. And where you're talking about uh, easy to use. So in... 90 days when you, if you don't wear an item, we will put a red dot next to that item. <gasps> so you can wow. see, you can slowly declutter over time. That's so for great. guys, um, that's another helpful thing is you can actually see what pieces you're wearing or not wearing. That's so good. Well, Aaron, we're so grateful that uh, you're doing this and that it's been a successful launch of of this new startup phase for you and I, we hope so many people that are listening will take advantage of this opportunity and enjoy it and i know i'm going to go back for and sure. be logging my closet because yeah. you you love it when i clean it out I so do. this is inspiring me to kind of figure I'm it out picturing your 85 shoes going pair of shoes going down to about 12 
like errands. <laughs> Gabe acts like, you know, we have all the shoes. <laughs> He's got some shoes, but he's sentimental. That's the thing. That's yeah, why I asked that sentimental hard. question. You know, those basketball shoes yeah. when you scored 100,000 <laughs> points. 100,000 points. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, thank you, Aaron, for being with us and putting up with us. <laughs> this was no, awesome. Thanks. This was so fun. I love talking to other people wearing hats. <laughs> I know, I know. For sure, hats are going to take 10% of my number, yes. for sure. <laughs> so if you are wanting to get simple and have clarity and be able to wear everything that you have, just go to cloudwell.com and you can go to the app store and download their app for the free seven days and they'll get you started on it. And they also launched, which is pretty fun, a new podcast called Too Many Clothes and Nothing to Wear, which I know lots of people feel that. And so check that out for just more resources as you continue to think through how do you simplify life, how do you bring some order out of the chaos, and how do we continue to live on rhythm?